Dragon the Peg is recorded in Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Drag in the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Hooson, and I'll be your host. If you've listened to the end of our last episode, you've heard that today's guest is one of my very best friends in the drag scene. She, Ruby Chopsticks, and up-and-coming superstar Emerald Stardust have gone above and beyond for me, offering me makeup tips, advice, accessories, and a boatload of reassurance. After less than a year of tearing up the drag scene, including a stint at Drag Brunch and opening for Monique Hart of RuPaul's Drag Race fame, everyone knows her name, and her iconic drag face is every queen's envy. Also, fair warning, this episode has a lot more laughter than usual, so if you hate joy and having fun, this is not the one for you. Now, without further ado, I'm so pleased to welcome a child of the L'Amour coven and my drag aunt, Peppermint Fatty. Peppermint Fatty. I am a new local queen in Winnipeg. Wow. Wow. New is, I think, an interesting term for you because in the grand scheme of drag and other guests, I think that we're putting on a lot of them. One year isn't very much time, but after you've emerged, there's been a whole crop of new queens. So you're kind of on the tail end of that baby queen spectrum. Yeah. I would agree with that. You've been doing drag for how long? Eight-ish months, I think. Seven, seven, eight months. Seven, eight whole months, which is absolutely gobsmacking to me. Because Thanks. you are such a staple in the drag scene, as I've always known it, oh. that I can't possibly imagine you not being in it. So eight months is whack. Thanks. It is kind of whack. That's crazy. So I feel like you're not even really a drag baby anymore. I feel like you're kind of like a drag toddler. Yeah, I just went from two to three. Two to so. three whole years old. I know, so... Took your first baby steps, did you? I did. I did. Took my very first baby steps. Are you potty trained? Mm, still working on it. Wow. Wow. We all need life goals, don't we? We do. So this is one of the very few interviews that we're actually redoing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like every single time that we get into a recording studio, something messes up or I do something wrong. No, Graham, you, you, n- you never do anything wrong. Oh, my gosh. You're just wonderful. But this is our, I think, probably total third episode. Yeah. Fourth take. <laughs> and I don't think that our first interview went bad at all. I love that episode or that recording. I don't. Well, I, I mean, I've never actually, like, listened to it back. I've never heard the actual, like, audio. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when we recorded it, I was just so inexperienced. I had only been doing drag for, like three to four months and I had performed like maybe three times so I didn't have like a clear perspective on like what it was like to actually be in the drag scene in Winnipeg and I think since our last interview I've like learned so much and grown so much and just like kind of come into my own as like in my own like drag persona Mm -hmm. so that's why I feel like we needed to redo because I feel like a lot of my answers were like outdated yeah, we need to revisit it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. And also, I am extremely glad that we're redoing this interview because 
like four months ago, I knew you and I would mm-hmm. say we were friends. But now, like four months later, you're one of my closest friends in the world. Yeah, we're best pals. We're best gal pals. Gal pals. Having a fun time. And now it's just a conversation between friends. Yeah, exactly. Hardly an interview. Hardly. Barely even. Barely even. <laughs> <laughs> a little people ASMR for get, the kids. People are going to get triggered if this is an ASMR episode. I know. I'll yeah. be triggered. <laughs> You mentioned that you just turned three years old. Congratulations. Mm, thank you so much. Um, but you are literally a baby. You just turned 19. Yeah. Which is bizarre and whack to me, considering the level of drag that you deliver. Thanks. You you definitely have this like eye for references and for performances that I think is pretty far beyond your years. So what's it like being like the youngest kid in the drag scene um like when i came into it i didn't think people were gonna take me that seriously because i was so young but when i came into it i quickly found out that i was kind of getting like almost like applauded for like starting drag so young being so young you've you've accomplished and performed so much in our city's drag scene Mm -hmm. what do you think contributed to that success you are, I think, one of the busier queens in the city. Mm-hmm. Like, I think for the next couple of months, you're almost totally booked, like, almost every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> which, in our, which, in a city that really only has kind of one gay bar, mm-hmm. that's a huge, that's a huge feat. That's a lot of gigs. I don't know, actually. People just seem to like me, and I think that's really cool. <laughs> but I don't really think I'm all that great, and I don't really understand why I'm, like, getting so much attention and... Like, all of these bookings, like, to be honest, I really don't understand it. But I think it's great, and I think it's super cool. Do you mind if I provide an outsider's perspective? Sure. So you and Ruby specifically, I mean, you're both incredible performers, and you look great, and you are consistently doing really great stuff. But I think that what really sets you apart from maybe other queens who don't perform quite as much, I see you guys turning out for absolutely everything. And that's not just even drag shows, although you are at almost every single drag show ever. Of course. Support local queens. Of course. In and out of drag. But you're at drag events. You guys have gone to the Like That program at the Sunshine House. You're hanging out with these queens just on your outside time. You guys are always there supporting. And I think that beyond your performance ability, it's that kind of like passion and drive specifically that you two have that makes you guys really like a mainstay. Well, thanks. <laughs> That's going to be my whole interview. It's just me saying thanks. It's going to be me asking you questions, <laughs> you not answering them, and then me knowing exactly what I want the answer to be and answering it for you. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but literally, you guys are almost at every single show. Like, I, don't, I never have to ask. Yeah, we're just always there. Which is fantastic for people who've only been doing it for eight months and kind of just got in at that point. Well, I think, like, really in the summer, like, when we first started doing drag and, like, we're finally done the PTE class. Pharaoh and Vito kind of were like, spread your wings. It's time for you to, to go. And so like they introduced us to a lot of people, but like me and Ruby as well, like kind of made it a point to like go up to everybody, like all the queens at like a show and make sure that like we introduced ourselves and like told us like what great performers they were. Like we really wanted to make sure that we were like, getting our names out there and making sure that people remembered us because we really wanted to be a part of this community and like we just really wanted to be remembered you participated in the pte workshop program i did with uh ruby underbeat and pharaoh Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I wasn't in that class, but I feel like just being in that class wasn't an automatic sort of induction into the scene. I feel like you two worked very hard. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like we found a lot of our footing, I think, on our own. And we did a lot on our own to get where we are. And figured it out for yourselves. We did. And now you have your niche, your niche. My niche. (laughs) (laughs) I'm staying away from you for that. Speaking of the PTE program, tell me a little bit about that experience for you. What was that like? It was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely terrifying. Why? From like who I am now to who I was eight months ago when I joined that class is literally a completely different person. So before coming into the PTE class, like I was so shy and like so timid and I would just go red in the face if like anybody looked at me. And so coming into the PTE class, like I was so terrified. And especially since that there was like only five kids of us. So it was just like, there wasn't a lot of us. So a lot of attention was like put on you specifically. And I think that was really hard for me, but I'm really glad that I did it because I think it really helped me break out of my shell. But it was absolutely terrifying. Was it stressful preparing and going to every class? Absolutely. I think you told me that you guys uh, were not like homework because obviously it was a paid class and they can't (laughs) make you do anything, but you had to practice a face every single week. Yeah, we had to practice a face every single week and like practice walking and our lip sync. But I was so scared of looking like busted at my debut. I used to do like three faces a week. (laughs) I was terrified of looking like trash. (laughs) So here we are. So so here we are. When you left the program or near the tail end of the program, did some of those anxieties leave you? Or were Um, you scared right up until the last minute, Mama? Oh, right up until the last minute. (laughs) I did not feel comfortable until my lip sync was done. And then I was like, okay, I did that. That's cool. I feel relieved now. I was so stressed out for those eight weeks. It was insane. But it was also really wonderful and like an experience that I cherish and like would never change. And that was a, from the videos that I've seen, that was a stunning lip sync. And you actually semi recreated that for the Dragon the Peg launch. I did. Wow. What was it like going back to it? It was actually so wonderful. And I think since I had done it before, I was a lot less nervous to perform at the Dragon the Peg launch, even though there was like almost like 300 people there. There was more than 300 people there. Yeah. So I think that made it a lot less scary for me. And it was kind of like nice to go back to something that I knew and like where I came from. And you turned it out. You did that whole back bend thing and everything. I did. I broke my back. (laughs) My scoliosis was quaking the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Calcium deficiency? I know her. (laughs) I know her. (laughs) So (laughs) practicing faces three times a week obviously helped because... You have a very, like, signature, defined look that I always say looks like Tanya Harding. I love that. And I don't know. <laughs> um, and you have this, like, re- you're really known for, like, your very, like, sort of 80s, kind of, like, 60s, artsy pop, really, really unique and original look, at least in the Winnipeg scene, for sure. So how did you develop that look? What What are some of your inspirations? Like, blush is, like, my favorite thing in the whole world. Oh, my God. If you can't tell already. Stay away from me with your blush. (laughs) But I think I've always uh, really been in love with that, like, whole 80s look of, like, 
really like blush cheeks, like blue eyes, lots of mascara. Like I've always just been like really in love with that. So I think that was like my main inspiration for my drag look and then of course I like as soon as I I got into drag when I was like 14 I started following people like M Queen and like Linux and like all of these like club kids too from New York and I think that like really helped kind of like contribute and like make up my my pet face I remember getting ready with you and I was putting blush on and I was like is this blush too much and you said how about a little bit more. You can never have enough blush. You can have too much blush. You can't. People, I think, actually, there's a lot of queens in the city who don't wear blush. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a call-out post now. <laughs> <laughs> Put on some goddamn blush, please. <laughs> it, you, you, like, contour with blush, too, which is very interesting. I do. I don't do, like, the whole, like, brown. And you tend to... I mean, obviously, you pull a, a million different looks all the time, but I see you a lot with, like, that... Sig- when I think of signature pep, I think of, like, red, blue, yellow, kind of like mm-hmm. that Sonic Hedgehog color scheme. <gasps> it's a good thing! Okay. It's <laughs> a good thing. Yeah, the, like, bright primary colors. Yeah. You're noticeable. You have a brand. Yeah, I'm not about wearing um neutrals or, like, naturals at all. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, like, I can look like that any... Any day. Like, when I get into drag, I want to see a transformation. Mm-hmm. So I think with that, that's why I love doing the whole bright color thing. Because I really think when I look in the mirror, like, that does not look like me at all. That's, like, a different person. Would you ever do, like, a very high glamour, like, Vita Lamour or Satina Loren-esque face or look? Probably not. Mostly just because I think people like Vita or Satina, like, I at least... From, like, my perspective, I think they want to be, like, more fishy, mm-hmm. I guess. And I look like a real woman every day. I can leave my house looking like a real woman. So, like, that just wouldn't be fun for me. And I feel like, as well, if I walked out of the house in that sort of look and, like, showed up to the bar looking like that, people really wouldn't give me a second glance. Or, like, if people did, they would just tell me that that's that was on my, on my face is not drag. Mm-hmm. I probably just would never. Does that make you, the fact that you are a woman doing drag, does that ever feel like you're limited in what you can do? Like, do you feel like a need to constantly, like, get to a million fucking percent? Or is that something that you want to do anyway? I mean, it's something that I want to do anyway. But I definitely also feel like I always have to be at a million percent. Like, I feel like there's standards, maybe for women who do drag, that aren't necessarily there for, like, cis males who do drag. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like any AFAB person who does drag kind of always has to be perfect and look perfect and, like, just be so polished. And um, But I feel like those standards don't really always exist for, like, cis male queens. I feel like a lot of the kind of, like, original maybe, which I think is a fallacy because women have been doing drag since the birth of drag. Oh, yeah. Since the beginning of time. And I think that some of that fallacy of the activism behind drag is like men pushing boundaries and kind of like rejecting masculinity Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people who don't really know drag think of it as but I think that there's an activism in women doing drag and questioning 
femininity and masculinity as well. I absolutely agree with that. Like when I get into drag, every single time it's about me owning my femininity and like taking up the space that I'm in. I like when I come in, I want to make a statement and I want to make you question what is feminine and what is masculine. And I hope that like Peppermint does that. Make some noise for the one and only Peppermint Fatty! You know you have to call him Fatty for sure. I could use a big fatty right now. Yeah, here you are now. I could use three different kinds of fatties. One is a recently legal fatty, one is the fatty that the guy with the long hair has, and then one is Miss Peppermint Fatty. How do you think Peppermint, or sorry, how do you think you... Sometimes I separate them when that's weird. How do you think you play with the ideas of these high standards of femininity for women when you perform as Peppermint? Drag queens are expected to look a certain way, I think. So we always have to be wearing, like, lashes and, like, hip pads and always have to be, like, corseted and have these, like, huge titties. But it's just, like, sometimes I don't want to do that. Sometimes I don't want to look like that. So I'm not going to wear hip pads if I don't want to. I'm not going to cinch if I don't want to. If you want me to wear lashes, they're literally going to be touching my forehead. (laughs) So I think that's kind of like how I play and like experiment with femininity and like just kind of like show people that like a woman doesn't have to look a certain way. And there's like a million different ways to be feminine and like a million different ways to be masculine. And you don't have to be either or you can be both. Being a woman who does drag, which like a, a lot of people outside the scene don't know that that's a thing. Yeah, a lot of people don't get it and are really confused by it. Or, actually, this is a better question, or a lot of people think that women who do drag need to be drag kings. Would you ever be a drag king or try drag king stuff? I've always just been, like, really feminine. So I don't think the idea of, like, just, like, the idea of pretending to be a man is just not fun for me. Like, I, it's just not my thing. Like, I don't think I would have fun doing that. And I don't think I would excel well at doing that. So I, I, yeah, I just don't think I could ever. Like, it's something I want to experiment with, maybe, like, try drag king makeup, but I could never be a drag king. Really, I think all it comes down to is, like, drag queens are having fun. Yeah. Right? So who's to say that a woman can't have fun by being a drag queen? I mean, like, literally, if you think about it for more than three seconds... That's just what drag is. Literally, just drag is about having fun. Just getting, making yourself look as fantastic and ridiculous as you want Mm -hmm. and having a blast. Absolutely. So what's stopping women from doing the exact same thing that cis men are doing? Nothing. Nothing. And you're showing that. And I think that's really important visibility. I think so as well. Because we haven't seen classically, like I'm thinking like before, five years ago, we haven't seen a ton of femme queens in the city. Oh, no. I think only really within, like, the last year there's been literally a whole crop of, like, AFAB people who have, like, come into the scene doing, like, femme drag. And I think that's really important and something that Winnipeg needed. Because I think we're changing a lot of people's minds in this city on what drag really is and what drag can be. Like, drag literally has endless possibilities and it can be whatever you want it to be. And I think a lot of us new kids are really, like, proving that. Especially with all all the different sorts of ways that you're doing drag. Like, I think before sort of you guys came up, a lot of drag was either very sexual or very glamorous. Mm -hmm. And now you're taking it to... Even the other side of the spectrum, dirty drag, desexualized drag, yeah. artsy drag. Artsy drag's my thing, mama. 
And I think that it's almost misogynistic to reserve the title of drag queen to cis men. I think oh, it is misogynistic. Oh, it absolutely is. Absolutely. I've gotten so many comments from never a queen. Never a queen has made me feel unwelcome or like anything in the scene. But like after I'm like done a performance, I, I've had people come up to me and be like, oh, that was cute for a girl. What does that mean? Like it was fantastic. And you know, it was fantastic. Like people say that to you? Absolutely. Give or, me names. Give me numbers. <laughs> give me home addresses. Rough them up for them. me. <laughs> or it's just like. People will come up to me and just be like, I didn't like bio queens until I met you. And it's just like, you're being a misogynist. Like, I hope you know. That's backhanded. That's a backhanded It really is backhanded. So you said that you've never experienced any kind of, like, discrimination or or hate or weirdness from local queens, though? Being a femme queen or a young queen, actually. No. Like, I've had, like, talks with them, like... Like, they've sat me down and have been like, okay, so, like, how do you identify? Like, what do you want us to call you? Do you want to be called a bio queen or, like, do you want to be called a drag queen? And I'm like, just call me a drag queen, femme queen, whatever. I prefer drag queen. But they've always kind of made sure that they, like, get it right, get it straight. Like, they they want all these kids to feel really comfortable and really safe. And the only, like, bad comments I've ever gotten are from people in the audience, or like bystanders, bystanders, yeah. Bystanders? Bystanders. People who don't get it. Yeah, people who just don't get it. But you know who does understand? I love when I kill a good segue. <laughs> so uh, me being in the drag scene for the past few months, I've seen a lot of like both close and more like distant relationships between drag families and also just like biological families. Yeah. Birth families. And I've, but I've, I've never seen a relationship as close as the one between you and your mom. Oh, she is so wonderful. She comes to every single show, I think. She's only ever missed one, and that was really? because she was in New York, and my dad came, and she was like, can you FaceTime me in? <laughs> but it didn't work out. I just sent her a video later, but... Oh, my God. She is so cute. That's adorable. Tell me a little bit about that relationship and how that kind of factored into your beginning of your drag career. Well, I'm so lucky to have, like, literally two of the most, like, supportive and loving parents in, like, the entire world. And I think they're literally the best people to exist. But they've always been my number one supporters. So when I kind of first started, like, wanting to do drag, I was really scared and, like, really hesitant about, like, how people would perceive me. Because coming into the Winnipeg scene, like, like you said earlier, there hadn't been a lot of, like, AFAB queens or like femme queens to kind of exist and so I had been to drag shows but I'd never seen that kind of thing before and I like kind of told my mom about that and she was very encouraging and like just very much wanted me to go after it she's been the best she's the coolest person I think I've ever met oh yeah same and I have a surprise for you live in studio we have your mom oh my god mom hi (laughs) I'm just kidding this is pre-recorded and you know exactly what she says because you were in the room I was (laughs) here's here's, uh, an interview that I actually did with Soulface mom yeah me mama let's hear a little bit about uh, her perspective on a child doing drag my name is Adrienne Wilson and I'm the biological mother of Peppermint Fatty, also known as Solve, which is my daughter. And I'm just here today to give my perspective on drag. 
I like how you said um, biological mother as opposed to like a drag mom. Right. <laughs> I know I there like, could be some confusion, so I was like, yeah, biological mother. Yeah, that I was like, Sylvia, do you have an adoptive mother? <laughs> um, I think Pep said the first time that, oh, Pep's also here. <laughs> Very quietly in the back. Pep said that one of the first times that she saw a drag show was with you. Okay. For your birthday. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 That we, so we went to a drag brunch. Ooh. So I've always liked drag. I've always liked punk rock and DIY. And I like anything that's kind of left of center. Mm-hmm. So I knew that she had an interest in drag. And I, I'd had some connections with drag just from being on Twitter. I had some drag friends. I used to be friends, like online friends with Darian Lake before she oh oh, before wow. she <laughs> before she was famous, and then she dumped me. So that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I kind of exposed her to drag over the years, and then when we went to Chicago, I think it was last year, she'd wanted to see a drag show. So I said, I know there's great drag brunches, so we went to see that, and it was so much fun. You know, all you can drink mimosas helped as well, but um, that was kind of her first ex- real exposure to it because she was so young, right? She couldn't get into the bars to see anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've encouraged her right from the beginning. I've probably pushed her, in fact. Like, <laughs> I, I was actually the one that found the Prairie Theater Exchange program that she did online. I saw it pop up on my Facebook one day, and I was like, okay, <laughs> you have to do this. Like, you have to because I just knew she needed that extra push just to get her out there. She has such an artistic soul and she's such an artistic person, but she's shy, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew that if she could do something like that, I thought it would really help her. Oh, she doesn't good. talk about herself a lot and I get it. Like, she's very humble, but she's extremely gifted musically. Mm-hmm. She has a, a beautiful singing voice. Like if you heard her sing, you'd just be like, wow, it'll blow your mind. She can play a guitar and she can play drums. She also does roller derby as well. But I just knew like all of these things were building up for her. And anytime I think that she can get on stage, I think it's going to help her for her next performance, for her next thing that she's going to be doing. And I just knew that she loved drag so much. And I thought, why not? Like, this is something that I can see her doing. I can see her enjoying. I knew the community would be a great community that she'd hopefully meet some great people like yourself. <laughs> and so, I mean, I just encouraged it right from the beginning. I said, if you sign up for this, I will pay for this. I'll take it out of like your education fund. To me, that's how <laughs> important it was. To me, it's no different than her going to college mm-hmm. was taking this Prairie Theater class because I knew it would help her so much in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. As a performer, whether she stays with drag or does other things, that's up to her. That's not for me to decide. But I think for her to explore all those avenues was really just what I wanted her to do. Also, because you were so involved in like knowing queens online and stuff like that before, mm-hmm. I suppose you were probably also exposed to women who did drag as opposed to just men. Because like when I talk to a lot of to a lot of people who don't know drag or kind of know the classical way of thinking of drag, they don't tend to think that women are a part of that when they really have been for decades. Right. Uh, and I'll be honest, I, I really wasn't aware, super aware mm-hmm. of that. I mean, I'd seen a few things here and there, but I was unsure myself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think the queen we met in Chicago, she had some drag daughters, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And so we talked about it after that. And I just said, I remember us having a conversation and because I have like the punk rock background and I said, well, you know, the Riot Girls never asked permission, <laughs> you know, they just went and did what they wanted to do. You know, they were going to like smash the patriarchy and that's what they wanted to do. Right. They had this collective group of like positive female, you know, and I said, like, why can't we bring that into the drag world? And I think that like resonated with Sylvia. She kind of just sat with that for a minute and she was like, cool. And then, you know, you meet so many great, amazing queens. Like we met Sasha Velour and she was like the most amazing human being. Like her spirit is so beautiful. 
like just being around her and she was so encouraging she just looked at Solve and it's like I think that really changed everything for Solve was meeting her because she's so inclusive and she so believes in the whole scene and she just like she wants everyone to do drag and she really does right and so I think for Solve to see that coming from someone from that high standard and the high level of drag to encourage that I think that just was a game changer for her. It was a game changer for me. Hell, mm-hmm. I was just a spectator, you know? I was like <laughs> completely moved by it. Like we were, we both left and we we're like, I'm like, don't look at me, don't look at me. <laughs> Cause we're both trying not to cry. We're like, oh my God, that was so freaking beautiful. Like it was amazing. The way you talk about Solvay and I've seen you a lot of Peppermint shows and yeah. stuff like that. You are probably the most supportive parent of a drag artist that I've ever met certainly. Right. And speaking to some of these queens, I know that a lot of these drag queens and kings and the majority, I would say, the relationship with their parents as it pertains to drag is a little bit rocky. How it do you feel You know what? About... It doesn't matter what my kids want to do. I don't care if it's drag. I can't think of, you know, another analogy, but I'm just proud of them for doing what they want to do. I want them to be who they are. I don't want to influence them in any way to be the things that I want them to be. Whereas, like, when I was a kid growing up, my parents were like, you should like this and you should you should work at a bank and like all these things and I was like what the hell do you even know me like (laughs) where it was my children I just want them to be who they are and whatever that is I support that Mm -hmm. and I feel that about the whole drag community I want to be there to support all of their friends I think it's a great thing and I think people don't understand drag so that's where the judgment comes in it's the ignorance of not understanding what it is or being a part of it or going to show I think once you're actually there and you can break down that barrier of just showing up then you'll go oh this is pretty cool it's it's art it's no different than being in a band or someone's being a painter or they're in a play it's an art form so if my kids are up there doing art whether it's drag or you know performance art where they're like you know lighting themselves on fire or something i don't know but (laughs) i could see my son doing that Um, (laughs) i mean i support that but i also come from a background of supporting arts my whole life like her, Solvay's dad's actually in a death metal band. Oh. And I go to, I don't particularly like death metal, <laughs> but I'll go to those shows. So, I mean, we have a very different family dynamic than most people, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm very open-minded. And I think, I think a lot of people just need to get over whatever they think it is and go see what the, the real thing, what drag is. And it's, a, it's just a, super fun. You know, it's just a super fun community of people expressing themselves and really like what more could you ask for? So then when you hear about parents who don't support their children who do drag for any sort of reason, how what, what's that like for you as a parent? Well, I mean... What's your opinion on that? Maybe? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's some, I think it's unfortunate. You only have one life that you remember, whatever your belief system is, is different, but... I mean, it's a short period of time where you get to be involved with your children's lives. And I think, I mean, people just have to get over their own bullshit. It usually has nothing to do with their kids. It's their own prejudice and it's their own insecurities, what other people are going to think. It really hasn't, usually has not much to do with drag. It has to do with their own hangups, right? Or what they were brought up with, what right and wrong is, or people just don't understand sexuality. They, they don't understand gender roles. People need to loosen up let people be who they are and we'd have a much happier society in general it, it and that doesn't apply to drag that applies to everything just accept people for who they are and, it, and it, it would just be the world would be so much of a better place right i don't care what other people are doing but if i can be there and be supportive to help somebody along the way great 
Like I love Sylvie's drag friends. I think they're amazing. Like they're <laughs> great creative spirits. They're loving, sweet people. Everyone I've met. Uh, I mean, I encourage her all every step of the way to, to be part of that community because it's I have had no negative experience with it, right? Not everything is, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Of course, that's life. But I think in general they're very good people, and I, I, it's unfortunate if their parents don't support them. But I mean. They might be an accountant. Their parents might not support that. You know what I mean? Like, people have weird hang-ups about stuff. It doesn't necessarily always reflect back because it's drag. It's because people have these preconceived notions of what they want their children to be. Mm -hmm. And if it's not that exact thing, they're not going to support it. It's just a weird dynamic, right? Which I don't agree with. But, I mean, I think that if you want to know your kids, you want to be a part of their lives, you just accept them for who they are and what they want to do is there is there anything else you'd like to add about drag about being a parent of a queen I've just you know I've really I mean I've been exposed to drag for a lot of years I've always been very open-minded to the LGBTQ community I've been an ally for many years I've supported a lot of different initiatives over the years and stuff like that but I've had so much fun with drag (laughs) like we've had so much fun and I love seeing the evolution of her drag and I think like I said to her today just driving here said she's talking about her makeup from one drag show to the next and how much it improves. I said, yeah, think about wh- where you'll be in a year. Think about all the opportunities you're gonna have, all the new people you're gonna meet, all the great you know, shows you're gonna be a part of or that you get to watch. You know, I've had so much fun. Uh, we went to DragCon in LA and we just had a blast. Like I had so much fun. I didn't, didn't know what to expect, right? But mm-hmm. we, we just had a blast and it's, I think it's a, great, it's a great opportunity for her as a performer. And I think, I think she'll do good things with it. Well, thank you so much for You're coming You're welcome. Down. Thank you for asking me these questions. I hope <laughs> I didn't ramble too long. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Awesome. Wow, thank you so much to Solvay's mom. Thanks, mom. What an incredible interview. <laughs> That's, I think, like the pinnacle of parenting, mm-hmm. probably. What a wonderful I think so. lady. She's a great lady. She's so cool. D- does it feel good looking into the audience and, and seeing your mom? It feels amazing because mm-hmm. I know like a lot of queens don't really have that kind of relationship with their mom and it's just so nice that she like wants to come and see me because she really doesn't have to like if she didn't want to but she like makes it a point to come to every show and for the Dragon the Pig launch she left my cousin's wedding. Yes she did. <laughs> yeah she left my cousin's <laughs> wedding so she could come see me perform and they did almost didn't let her in and I had to like go to the doorman and be like excuse me like those are my parents. How did they not let her in? Was it at capacity? It was at capacity and she had come like too late and so I had to she was like waiting in line at the door and I had to like go grab her and my dad and be like, can they come in? They're my mom and dad. Oh my God. But they let them in. That's so horrible. <laughs> I know that you don't do like a ton of like hypersexual numbers. Mm-hmm. More of your stuff is like very artsy and classic and amazing. Yeah. Not classic. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but is it is it ever weird? Okay, so you might be on a bill with like pheromones who spits on people yeah or like maybe even hellacious who just flashes her crush her her crush her crush her crush her crotch everywhere is it ever weird being in like that like somewhat sometimes sexual bar atmosphere with your mother no (laughs) (laughs) like i think as long as i myself am not doing those things then it's not weird for me Mm -hmm. because she's been around she's seen it all 
Yeah, your mom's punk. Yeah, she is very punk. So I think none of that is shocking to her. And like, she doesn't even fucking blink when it happens. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's fine. That's such an interesting relationship to me. Isn't it? I love that dynamic. <laughs> would, if you were ever to do a super sexy number, would you tell your mom to stay home? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I feel like you're not allowed to come. Sorry, like, mom. I'll send you a video later, maybe. Oh, my but God. But probably not. You'd see her in the crowd wearing those, like, gonzo glasses with the, with the mustache and the <laughs> fake disguise. Even like Dr. Eggman. Oh my god. She'd be wearing like the bird box blindfold. She would be wearing the bird box blindfold and bopping. Absolutely. Hands in the air. So another really, really close relationship. Love these segues. Love them. I love myself sometimes. Um, Another really close relationship related to drag. You and Ruby Chopsticks. Oh, she's my best gal pal in the whole world. Which is a friendship that I am very, very jealous of. So you two did the pre-TE program together. And ever since you guys have like been literally tied at the hip. Yeah. Kind of in and out of drag. Tell me a bit about that relationship. Um, I think we really bonded together during the PTE class because we were the youngest ones in the class and everyone was a lot older than us. Well, not a lot, but like me and Ruby were going through a lot of the same things at the same time and it was just really nice to kind of text her during that time and be like, hey, are you stressed about this? Because I am. (laughs) And she would always just be like, yeah, I'm really stressed. So I think we kind of just bonded over that and our love for drag. And we have a lot of similar interests. And I think, yeah, literally ever since the PTE class, we have been, like, inseparable. Coming out on the other side of that PTE class, which you stressed so hard over. Yeah. You seem to me like a master of drag. <gasps> and oh. you've been helping fellow drag kids, fellow drag babies, including me. What's it like being able to kind of like pass down your your knowledge and your expertise? Um, well, I don't think I know really anything. I just fake it. <laughs> um, but I think it's nice to kind of pass on what I learned to like other people. Maybe I'm going about this the wrong perspective, but there are only so many gigs available in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. you know, with one gay bar. So, uh, more and more, there are more events happening outside of Club 200, but for the most part, that's kind of the home base. Yeah. And there are only so many slots in a show. And the drag scene to me does not seem very competitive in that nobody's like sabotaging each other. Oh, but, no. No. But like with so many kids popping up, was that ever like something that you thought about? Like if, if I help this kid, they may surpass me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really just want to, like, encourage young talent, and I I really want more of it, because, like, I literally want, like, the little baby kids to, like, take over. Like, I just want there to be so many of us, and I think it's just nice to kind of, like, help people, because a lot of people helped me when I was getting into drag, and I think it's kind of nice to do the same thing for other kids. But no, it's, it's never, like, a competitive thing. Like, if another kid gets a gig over me then it's just like whatever i mean it's like i'm happy for them like yeah, i wouldn't work yeah i would never be mad at somebody for getting a gig over me i think that's just like stupid yeah i think i really don't think any of the kids are like competitive with one another we're all very close and like tight-knit and are always very happy for one another so which is really nice to like kind of have that supportive environment yeah and like you're you're pretty booked up as it is like for the past couple of months you've been performing 
pretty much every weekend, and if not every weekend, certainly multiple times a month anyway. Yeah. Does that ever get stressful for you? Did that ever get stressful for you? It is so stressful. I mean, at least it was. From, like, October to December, I was booked pretty much, like, every single weekend, and I think my biggest fall was that, like, I was not prepared for anything, and so there would literally be times when I would just be, like, combing a wig in my room, and I would be, like, crying because I was so stressed, and I was just, like, it just made made drag not enjoyable, so I think in December, like, really after my last gig, which was, like, hot toddy, I, I like, really had to take a step back and, like, take that break and kind of just, like, rejuvenate because it was becoming extremely stressful trying to figure out a new lip sync like every week is incredibly challenging and I have a lot of like stage anxiety I would say like I wouldn't consider it like stage fright anymore but I had like before doing drag I had like really awful stage fright and I think before when I was getting all these gigs I was just really overwhelmed and like underprepared So I think it kind of brought back a lot of those feelings and I was just feeling a lot of anxiety and like drag was just not fun for those like two months. I was just not having a good time. So I needed to like move away for a minute. Yes, get the money, get the money. I love a good pants, too. That looks fucking good. I'm gonna take that, too. So those kind of, I think it was like th- two or three weeks that you didn't do drag for a bit. Was that a really good chance? Like, how did you bounce back from kind of that dark place? Like, it was nice to go to some drag shows that were happening and just watch. I think that kind of, like, helped inspire me again a lot. And just kind of, like not thinking about drag was literally so wonderful. I did not touch a wig or like a makeup brush or anything for like literally like three weeks. And I think that was like really nice. And it made me really excited to like get back into it and like start doing drag again. So I think, yeah, just kind of like taking that break, not thinking about it at all was kind of how I bounced back. With queens who are a bit more established, like I'm thinking Lita or Foxy or Satina or even Vita or even Vita, <laughs> Vita, who's been doing it the longest out of anybody that I've interviewed, those queens, I feel like there's a little bit less pressure to consistently be turning out new looks because they have such an extensive wardrobe. Yeah. And they've been doing it for so long that they've collected various things. But for people, newer queens, like yourself, like the Slunt Kids, like Alex... I feel like you guys are almost always turning out new things. Is that ever stressful for you, having to come up with new ideas and concepts? Yeah, it it is so stressful. Going into those, like, I don't know, like, from October to December when I had all of those bookings, like, I did not have a huge collection of, like, dry clothes or wigs. And I felt, like, the need to spend so much money on, like, new things. And, like, I just I just wanted to, like look nice and like I, I just didn't want to rewear the same things over and over and over again because I think people were seeing me so much in such a short amount of time like I didn't want to be a broke ass outfit repeater <laughs> <laughs> so I had to like I felt the need to like really like 
come up with like a lot of new looks and like new ideas which was like incredibly stressful and gave me so much anxiety and it must have been expensive oh yeah i spent so much money at pj's his vintage store is like literally my favorite place to go but i spent so much money there it's insane i haven't gone yet take me i will take Take you there take me to foxy shop absolutely i want to find alex's thigh highs those are industrial at shunet Oh, that's Shuna. That's Shuna. That was Foxy. No, but we can take you to Foxy Shop, get you a pretty dress and a corset. <laughs> I do have a pretty dress. You do. I have one pretty dress. <laughs> I have one. One pretty dress. <laughs> What's been your favorite performance to date? Honestly, probably Halloween. Like Halloween. Oh my God. Was I think I did two numbers that night. I did a duet with Ruby, and then my little Lady Gaga paparazzi number. And I think that was the first time I actually, like, felt proud of myself. And, like, I was just so proud of, like, what I had done. Like, I went home and I, like, laid in my bed and I couldn't sleep until 6 a.m. Because I was just, like, so happy and just, like, so excited about what had just happened. It was just so exciting. And I think so fun. Seeing a lot of drag shows, just as a spectator, there are a lot of numbers that really wow me but there are a couple that just like take me to church (laughs) and I think one of the first moments that I was like fully sent was your paparazzi number where midway through you were bleeding through it's actually the the on the graphic of your episode so you can see you can see it um that was one of the first moments that I was just gagged and gooped thank you I think that was a, a really important number for me because it like really paid homage to that like Lady Gaga performance when she like bled on stage and I remember watching that as like a little kid and just being like this lady is so fucking weird but I love her and I want to be her yeah it was beauty it was glamour and it was gore and it was shocking it was gorn 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 (laughs) corn so you've been doing drag for eight months now yeah what is the best thing that's come from doing drag I think it's like the like friends and family I've made because of drag. I've just met so many wonderful and like incredible people who have showed me so much kindness and have kind of showed me what it's like to be involved with like a community. And I think that was something that like my life was lacking before coming into drag. And so just like meeting all of these wonderful people, I think has definitely been the highlight and something that I will cherish forever where do you want to go what do you want to do with your drag do you have plans oh i want to do so many things i think before my one year uh drag anniversary which is in may i would love to put on my own drag show (gasps) yeah i think me and ruby have talked about it so much and i think on like our drag birthday we want to do a drag show i think it would be really cool maybe like one day to be like miss club 200 or like empress or something oh my god um i was hoping you were gonna say that really i was i really want to be i think i really want to be miss club 200 like really bad first femme queen i know that femme 200 i know i really want to be the first femme 200 not that that even matters because you're already just a sickening drag (laughs) but i think it would be something that would be really cool i also really want to perform at the main stage at pride even though i would shit my pants (laughs) but i think it would be so fun And, of course, I also have, like, unrealistic drag dreams of, like, 
maybe one day in like 10 years working for like Suzanne Barsh or like getting booked at Sasha Velour's nightgowns like I think that both of those things are like definitely like my biggest drag dreams but definitely the most unrealistic but I think the thing is you're 19 right yeah so when like even people like me think of like a 10-year goal it's like I'll be 31 by then by then you'll you won't you'll still be in your 20s barely 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 (laughs) but you have so much time ahead of you that you just you can do whatever you want and honestly, I think that I'm the most excited to watch you because you're outstanding every single time that I see you. It's an adventure and I love it. Oh, thank you so much. I love you. Thank I love you, you more. so much for coming onto this podcast again. Thank you so much for having me for like the fifth time. And I hope this one is good. <laughs> this is a blessing. This has been everything. This has been everything to me too. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much to Peppermint and her incredible mother, Adrienne, for sitting down with me. Next up on Dragon the Peg, we're taking a baby step away from the club scene and diving into the lives of two drag performers that, if you've been to Pride Winnipeg or any other public queer event in the city, you've definitely seen. After all, they're hard to miss, even in a crowd of thousands. Here's a clip from their episode. We have beards and we keep all our body hair and we don't tuck. Our two rules are no shaving, no tucking. Wow, so how did you come up with that rule? Why those two clauses? It just works for us. (laughs) We want to be comfortable. Our feet may kill us, but the rest of us is fine. Oh, oh yes. I've gone in the Toronto Pride Parade, and for the first time, I wore heels that I hadn't broken in. And I bled. I blistered and bled, but it was all worth it because we ended up in all the newspapers. (laughs) Yeah. When I was looking you guys up, I saw a lot of, like, news coverage from Toronto Pride. Yeah. I'm a self-professed media whore. (laughs) I just tag along. Don't forget to follow Dragon the Peg on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for photos, extra content, and news about upcoming drag shows in our city. I'd also like to remind you that on Facebook, I have a live event calendar detailing almost every single drag show in the city, so you'll never miss a single one, unless I forget to add it. Then you may forget one. And of course, a big bless up to Claire Boning of Veneer for the spectacular intro and outro music, and to Red River College for letting me use your audio equipment. Until next episode, remember to always tip your local drag queens. Mm